Welcome to the Ego Samvir podcast with me, Father Andrew Eber. And as always, I invite you to begin by joining with me in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, we offer you our prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart, in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for our sins, for the intentions of all our relatives and friends, and for the intentions of the Holy Father, through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. One of the very minor crises for me of being in self-isolation was running out of bread. Obviously, I wasn't able to go to the shops, and it really didn't seem worth asking anyone to go on my behalf, especially when they were likely to find nothing on the shelves. So, I decided to bake my own. I haven't baked bread for, well, quite a long time, but I had yeast and flour in the cupboard, so I mixed up a little dough, just a little, just enough, in fact, to make five rolls, five little loaves. And actually, they were fine. Quite tasty, in fact, if I say so myself. But I couldn't help being reminded of the little boy in the Gospels, the little boy who offers Jesus his five loaves and two fish for the feeding of the five thousand. That little boy, now... He is a good example for us, because he shows us, very simply, what we can give Jesus. And that's a helpful example to have, particularly when life has been shaken up and radically transformed, as it has been right now. What, in this situation, this strange and unfamiliar situation, what can I give Jesus now? St. John, who writes by far the fullest account of the feeding of the 5,000, says that the boy gave Jesus barley loaves. Now that's important, because barley loaves are the food of the poor. Regular folk ate loaves made from wheat, but poor people who cannot afford wheat have to make do with barley. The barley loaves are for the poor, so they really are nothing at all, but they are all that Jesus needs. They are enough for him. So it can be good to ask ourselves, in any given situation, what are my five loaves? Sometimes, you know, we may think that we have nothing very big or grand to give Jesus, so we end up giving nothing at all. We may think, for example, I don't know, that we only have five minutes to pray in the morning, so we don't bother praying at all. But Jesus doesn't ask us for what we do not have. Jesus doesn't say to the small boy who offers five loaves, well, that's no good. Sorry, really, I need ten. Jesus does not ask us to give what we are not able to give. 
and he will gladly accept what we have because he can work miracles with it if we give it freely. He will gladly accept our five minutes of prayer or our little words of kindness or our little acts of generosity and he will work miracles with them. So never forget, especially in the present situation, that all of us have five barley loaves that we can give to Jesus. It may be, as I say, those five minutes of prayer. It may be a decade of the rosary. It may be saying grace before meals with your family. It may be just saying, thank you, Lord. And so I guess this podcast is my little barley loaf. Nothing spectacular or impressive or especially holy, but it's what I can give right now in this situation. It is the bread of the poor man. Nothing in itself, but enough for Jesus, for his work and his plans. The other thing that those loaves I baked remind me of is uh, a beautiful little book by Cardinal Gwen Van Tuan, uh, the Vietnamese cardinal who died in 2002, who is now actually, would she, we should say, the Venerable Gwen Van Tuan, as Pope Francis has now advanced his cause for sainthood, so on the way to becoming a saint. So, uh, the Venerable Gwen Van Tuan wrote a short little book called Five Loaves and Two Fish, a book which describes his experience of imprisonment under the communist government of Vietnam. He spent 15 years in prison, the first nine years in solitary confinement, and the book describes how he survived. Not only survived, but in a way thrived. If you heard my earlier podcast, you might have heard me speaking a little of my experience of prison ministry, and I often used to share this book with prisoners. It can be really inspiring for them. And as so many of us now are experiencing confinement, we're all under a sort of house arrest, if you like, I thought it might be good to share just some of the response of Venerable Gwen Van Tuan to this situation, to being imprisoned, to losing your freedom. So, one of his struggles, for example, was with the sudden inactivity he had been an incredibly energetic and active bishop. He had founded seminaries and schools and built up the church. And suddenly, all this was taken away from him. But in the long drive in the police car to imprisonment, sandwiched between two police officers, a thought came to him. And the thought was this. I must confront reality. I am in prison. If I spend my time waiting, the things I look forward to may never happen. So, he said to himself, I am not going to wait. I will live each present moment, filling it to the brim with love. And so this is the prayer that first sustained him. Jesus, I will not wait. I will live the present moment, filling it to the brim with love. And you know that's not a bad prayer for us right now. I will not wait. I will live the present moment, filling it to the brim with love. 
And again, just a couple more examples from uh, his journey to prison. Uh, at first, Cardinal Antoine experienced real sorrow at not being able to go to his cathedral. He had been thrown into a prison ship with 1,500 other men, and he says, I saw the desperation and hatred on the faces of my fellow prisoners, and I thought, in truth, Lord, here is my cathedral, and here are the people of God you have given me to take care of. I have to be a confirmation of God's presence in the midst of these men. And then arriving at prison camp, he had a similar revelation of what he needed to do, and this was his prayer, Yes, Lord. And that's important, by the way, starting with the affirmative, Yes, Lord. Uh, you are sending me here to be your love among my brothers, in the midst of hunger, cold, exhausting labor, humiliation, injustice. I choose your will, not mine. I choose your will. I will be your missionary here. So you see again that same commitment to live the present moment, filling it to the brim with love. Now, of course, you and I, we're not in a prison camp or anything like it, but we might experience a similar dislocation from ordinary life, a separation from all those things that ordinarily would sustain us day by day. And as we come to terms with the difference, with the very different way that life is to be lived right now, perhaps we should remind ourselves that the Lord has work for us right now in precisely this situation, in this present moment, as Gwen Van Tuan would say, a moment that waits for us to fill it with love, and that in our hands there are still five barley loaves that the Lord can use. And he will use them for our good, for the good of his holy church, and to the glory of his holy name. Amen. And now, the Gospel for this Sunday's Mass and my homily. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. The sisters, Mary and Martha, sent this message to Jesus. Lord, the man you love is ill. On receiving the message, Jesus said, This sickness will end not in death, but in God's glory, and through it the Son of God will be glorified. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, yet when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed where he was for two more days, before saying to the disciples, Let us go to Judea. On arriving, Jesus found that Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days already. When Martha heard that Jesus had come, she went to meet him. Mary remained sitting in the house. Martha said to Jesus, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. 
But I know that even now, whatever you ask of God, he will grant you. Your brother, said Jesus to her, will rise again. Martha said, I know he will rise again at the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. If anyone believes in me, even though he dies, he will live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she said. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, the one who was to come into this world. Jesus said in great distress, with a sigh that came straight from the heart, Where have you put him? They said, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept, and the Jews said, See how much he loved him. But there were some who remarked, He opened the eyes of the blind man. Could he not have prevented this man's death? Still sighing, Jesus reached the tomb. It was a cave with a stone to close the opening. Jesus said, Take the stone away. Martha said to him, Lord, by now he will smell. This is the fourth day. Jesus replied, Have I not told you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you for hearing my prayer. I knew indeed that you always hear me, but I speak for the sake of all these who stand round me, so that they may believe it was you who sent me. When he had said this, he cried in a loud voice, Lazarus, here, come out. The dead man came out, his feet and hands bound with bands of stuff and a cloth round his face. Jesus said to them, Unbind him, let him go free. Many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. The Gospel of the Lord. Anyone who has come to faith as an adult, or who has, for example, like me, converted to Catholicism as an adult, will have a certain affinity, I think, for the story of Lazarus and his resurrection. For us, there's often a strong sense of a before and an after. Before coming to faith and after. Now, it might not be a straightforward conversion, as in someone converting from another Christian tradition. It could be someone whose faith was dormant, or had never really been active, but a faith that was brought to life through, say, marriage preparation, or even through the baptism or first communion of one of our children. But it can be a powerful experience. Pope Benedict speaks very shrewdly in one of his early books about how boring life is without faith. Just how boring. Because to come to faith as an adult is to discover that not only my life, but the entire world around me has a meaning because of Jesus Christ. 
that the world around me is not just a random collection of dust and atoms, but a world that has been loved into existence by God. It is a new world into which we are called when we believe, and also a new life. And in that sense, Jesus says to all of us, does he not? Come out. Come out of the grave. And he can be, let's be honest about this, he can be very insistent when he calls. And you may have had the experience of this yourselves. Jesus being insistent, not letting up. People are often struck, for example, by Martha's cautionary words to Jesus in today's Gospel. Lord, by now he will smell. This is the fourth day. It is a rude reality. He really is dead. But Jesus refuses to accept it. Jesus refuses to accept that Lazarus is, or that you are, or that I am, a lost cause. Now, for sure, there's a great many things we can do to stop ourselves hearing his call, and sometimes we can do those things for several years. We can, if you like, dig ourselves an exceptionally deep tomb with an exceptionally large rock outside. But Jesus won't go along with that. Sometimes he does this simply by allowing us to see just how much damage we're doing to ourselves and to others, through the life we are living. You may remember he says to St Paul, it hurts you to kick against the goads. This life is not going to make you happy. Very often for myself, I look back on the life I led before I became a Catholic with real regret. How fruitless it was. How misdirected. How fundamentally unhappy. But then sometimes I think the Lord uses our discontent when we become resistant to every other form of correction. He uses our discontent because we won't listen to anything else and because he cannot stop calling. Come out. And that too is one of the things you notice in today's Gospel, that Jesus never stops actually trying to teach us even in grief. So when Martha bravely says through her grief, I believe in the resurrection of my brother, Jesus, with great love, gently corrects her. I am the resurrection. That is to say, the resurrection is not actually an event. The resurrection is a person. He is the resurrection. And so often Jesus teaches us precisely this, that in our Christian life it is not an idea we are following, not even a really good idea, an idea of genius. It is not an idea or a principle or a set of rules even. It is a person, the person of Jesus Christ. You can see a similar correction elsewhere in the Gospels uh, when, for example, the Apostle Thomas says to Jesus, Lord, how can we know the way? And Jesus says to him, I am the way, the truth and the life. Jesus himself is the way out of the grave, out of the grave of our old life and into the light of the new. And the journey 
The journey to freedom and to new life is accomplished through our affirmation of belief in his person. Just as Martha says in today's Gospel, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ. You are the resurrection and the life, just as you and I might have said, perhaps during the Easter Vigil, being received into the church, perhaps like me in a little undistinguished chapel on a Friday evening, perhaps on our knees in the confessional, for our first confession in many years. It is always the person of Jesus Christ. However deeply we've buried ourselves, however tightly we've wrapped ourselves up in all those things which will not make us happy, it is Jesus who calls us back to life. It is Jesus who says of us as he says of Lazarus, unbind him and let him go free. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, as we come to the end of this podcast, thank you so much for being with me. And do get in touch with any comments or questions you have, any suggestions for things we ought to cover. I've had one or two already, which is lovely, and I'll upload another episode next Sunday and hope to join you all then. Let's end then, as we should always do, with the prayer of our Lord. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. And may Almighty God bless you all, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.